Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today, we've got a great malicious compliance story against an absolute micromanager. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, you get angry and belittle me when I want to follow the instruction manual on your new piece of kit? Enjoy your brand new rusty wheel slicer. It's been years, but I'm still worried that this person's going to hunt me down in my sleep, hence the throwaway. I used to work at a deli shop slash cafe place just to make ends meet while I went to uni, and the owner of that place was a real piece of work. If you got on her bad side, you were on the crap list, and she would be both openly and passively aggressive with a general vibe that you were an incompetent idiot no matter what you did. I heard that woman scream at a 15-year-old on her second day because she had mixed up coffee and teacups, which differed in size by about an ounce, just to give you an idea of her personality. After this whole experience, my dad told me that, as a general hint, it may be good to be suspicious if a workplace hires exclusively teen girls with no experience, because they're very unlikely to recognize crappy workplace treatment. There were two people in this place who didn't take her crap. Me, a mid-twenties recovering addict who's seen way worse, and a 45-year-old Iranian man who told her she could go freak herself when she berated him for not being willing to come in early to his 11-hour shift to prep ingredients. Off the clock, of course. I like that, dude. With the stage set, onto the malicious compliance. When I started, this place desperately needed a new wheel meat slicer. The one they had made a constant screeching noise and drove everyone crazy. About a month and a half into my employment, they got one. Industrial grade, cost 5,000 bucks, both looked and worked accordingly. Amazing piece of kit. As we were all celebrating and unpacking it, I flipped through the instruction booklet to look up how it works, and specifically how to clean it as there were quite a few parts. Manual says to clean everything detachable thoroughly, but that the wheel itself should be cleaned by letting it run on very low speed, with safety precautions, and using a cloth and alcohol-based cleaning agent on the exposed part. There were some pictures and detailed instructions on how to do this, and it explicitly stated not to take the whole wheel off and deep clean it, as this would remove the wheel lubricant slash anti-corrosive agent and risk damage to the machine, and to especially not let water or any cleaning agents get into the machine without making sure to thoroughly replace any lubricant. I was working the evening shift, so 99% of the time it was up to me to clean it. The instructions is how I clean the machine, because I trust the designer to know how to clean it. Or I do for about two days until my boss sees me, asks what the freak I'm doing and why I'm not taking the wheel off to clean it. She berates me about food safety and hygiene standards, telling me how disgusting I am for doing it this way. I stand my ground and inform her I do it this way because of the instructions, that I'm following the manual and explain the reason behind it. If we scrub it down, especially the inner part, the grease will go away a lot faster and will risk damage to the machine. She basically tells me to shove it in to do it her way. Now, I'm not going to ruin a $5,000 thing because one woman doesn't understand how lubrication works, but the very next day my manager sees me clean the machine and gives me an extremely condescending talk down on how this isn't how we approach hygiene and how boss told me you don't seem to understand food safety. 
My explanation falls on deaf ears again, and I'm also informed not only am I expected to take the wheel off and scrub it at the end of the day, but after every use. Boss also wants me to make sure I spray off the inside section to ensure there's no bacteria in there, with some hints that there'd apparently been a whole colony of life growing in there due to my two-day negligence. She wants me to spray soap and water mixture into the cogs of a machine they just bought. The blade is stainless steel, but the freaking cogs aren't. Freaking fine. If that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Every day, five times a day, I take that freaking machine apart and scrub it down. Every day I see that lubrication disappear more and more, and after a week, it's all gone, eventually becoming replaced by growing patches of rust. I feel bad for the machine, but I do as I've been told. I only work six days a week, so every day I come in after my break thinking that surely yesterday my manager would have reacted. Nope. She takes it apart just like I do, clean it like I do, and doesn't seem to think twice about the fact that this brand new machine is rusting apart in front of our eyes. In fact, she goes the extra mile and also scrubs the cog itself, which is probably why a year or so worth of lubricant disappeared in one week. The thing about rusty machinery is that it usually works up until a certain point, but once it reaches that point, there's no going back. One day, I turn it on, and it makes a screeching noise that I can only imagine came from the soul of this bit of kit, wondering why God has forsaken it, and it's like the clocks all stop. My coworker in the pastry section comes over to ask what the freak that noise is. My boss and manager come into the room with the same question, and I shrug and slice my salami. Boss tells her co-owner to go get some lubrication for the gears, and after a minute he puts some freaking spray-on oil lube in front of me and tells me to lube the gears up. I ask him where the lithium lubricant paste is, since according to the instructions, that's what you need. And he seems flabbergasted that putting something made for hinges and ball bearings isn't appropriate for a meat slicer. Two days and some tinnitus later, he's acquired some grease and then proceeds to be stumped when I let him know I'm not going to stop doing my regular job to spend 30 minutes greasing up this machine unless someone else takes over my station or they pay me overtime. My boss is meanwhile demanding to know why I haven't told them we needed to stock up on lithium grease, which I don't even bother to respond to. I make sandwiches, I'm not your mechanic. I left that job a few weeks later, and when I did, the machine was still crying the song of its ancestors every time we turned it on, and we were still scrubbing it down from the inside out daily, of course. I've since then gotten a sneaking suspicion I know what happened to its predecessor, and me and my dad, who is actually a mechanic, still laugh about it sometimes. My boss did ask rhetorically at one point how the heck the machine got to that stage so fast. I answered that it's probably because we've been scrubbing the lubrication and corrosion protection off several times a day, and I take great pleasure in the memory that she completely ignored me. It's the only time while I was there that she didn't snap back at me, and I like to think she remembered back to when I explicitly told her that if we clean this thing in that way, this is exactly what would happen. Overall, I don't think a 5000 machine would make or break anything, but... Freak me, did that feel good. You mean to tell me that this store got a $5,000 machine, it came with very clear, very concise instructions on how to operate, clean, repair, etc., and they did not even once consult it? I mean, they deserve to have a machine turnover every year at that rate. 
Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is Bleeding IT Dry, Malicious Compliance in the Print Hub. I currently work in a print hub and mentioned in a previous post that malicious compliance kind of just comes with the job. Here's another one that I just learned the outcome for this week. I'd been on medical leave for quite some time. During that time, a number of systems and programs we used changed. In particular, our online systems for business cards and similar products had changed. The way the system was before my leave was that when a customer uploaded the file, the system would slightly stretch the file to include a bleed. If a file submitted with a bleed, nothing would be done. For those not in the know, a bleed on a print file is an excess of the image in the design that's meant to be cut off. Most business cards have colored blocking for style and this ensures that there's no ugly, uneven white edge on the finished product. Essentially, it allows the customer to get what they envision. Astute readers would realize our old system could cause issues, however, especially when writing or images are close to borders. Information could be cut off due to being over the bleed line after the image was stretched. As such, we workers knew that a change was going to happen. This change happened during my medical leave, as the online system was updated to allow more customizations. When customers uploaded files, they were presented with a digital canvas where they could change their text and images on their file. Two boxes were presented on this canvas, one box showing the finished size of the product, and one showing the bleed we needed to ensure a proper cut. The problem is, the system no longer automatically stretched the provided file to the finished size. 
and certainly not to the bleed size. The new system allows customers to properly fit themselves, but rarely do they size it to bleed. As such, when we print and cut the finished product, there's often this ugly white band on two of the sides. As the cutting system is all automated and without those bleeds, there were always problems. Additionally, our large guillotine cutter is constantly in use for orders that need it, and to reprogram it and interrupt orders to trim a millimeter off every order was unreasonable. My manager, who will be named D, brought this to the attention of the system admins in IT, but was pretty much dismissed. He was told to push those orders that didn't have bleed into problem status and they would take a look at the problem. Also to send a list of problem orders still not handled at the end of each week. When I returned to work three months ago, I was given a rundown of everything that was new, including this new problem. I followed this malicious compliance currently in progress, none the wiser to what D was doing, pushing the orders without bleed into problem status, which was quite a fair amount to be honest. I didn't really think much about it however. Towards the beginning of this month, D had asked me to scan in February's problem orders, easily 500 orders, ensure each problem was its own separate file, then file them in a filing cabinet out back. I've read slash listened to horror stories about office scanning but I don't really have an issue where I am as we have a high capacity automated scanner so this was no issue. I did as I was told, in the folder they told me to put it in on the shared computer, and then went to file it. There were over thousands of problem orders stuck in limbo due to this bleed issue in this filing cabinet. Not only did this likely make us look bad to head office, but the customers were probably pissed. When I asked Dee what was going on with this issue, he explained everything and informed me of his plan. It turned out IT intended to do nothing about this bleed problem. They wanted us as production to fix the problem, which meant designing. The design team gets paid a lot more than we in production though, and as we weren't being paid that wage, D was having none of it. He was told each week to send in all orders that hadn't been fixed as of yet, so he was. D and the supervisor created a program that would submit each problem order as a ticket to IT, one at a time, at the end of the week. Previously, they had sent everything in as one ticket. This is why they had me scan each problem order as its own file, rather than just a single PDF with everything in it. This program ran on Friday, late afternoon, just before IT's weekend started. D knew IT needed to acknowledge all problem tickets before they left the office. Every 15 seconds a new problem ticket popped up and they needed to acknowledge it. All 500 files before they left. I don't know exactly how well it worked, but it certainly worked. Two hours, five minutes after hours at least, depending how fast their PCs are. I did the math, and that's only the stuff that I scanned myself. From my understanding, D and Supervisor had also decompiled the files that they had already submitted and resubmitted them as well. After the first week, the regional manager, who's a really cool guy, we'll call him Ray, stopped by to check in and asked why IT was cursing D's name, and D explained it. Ray said in no uncertain terms, if they haven't done anything about the jobs by the end of the week, you should follow up. Wink. At the end of last week, D set up the program to ask for updates on each of the problem jobs, as well as the program to submit new problem jobs from last week and set it to run. When we came in this Monday, we got an update from IT that the system has been adjusted and customers should not be able to submit jobs anymore that do not have borders meeting the bleed line. 
We still have some issues as reorders can override this fix, but it's been a lot better now, and this week has been extremely productive. D, meanwhile, came into his email having over 20 unread messages and over 500 junk mail as the spam filter kicked in. Each message was the program's response asking for an update, with the first few responses from IT being, we're still looking into it, and the later responses simply being the letter A. There's still the matter of the orders still stuck in limbo, so there may be an update, but the main compliance has been settled. Honestly, I feel like they should just slap a big warning on the printing projects that say if you don't have a bleed, you'll probably have borders, and it's an upcharge if you want us to fix it beyond that point. People who submit these things for printing should know what they're submitting for printing. That said, our next story is, micromanaging my lunch break? Enjoy the extra paperwork! At my previous job, we had an hour for lunch, but the break room was small, so people usually staggered their lunch breaks. It was an unspoken rule that as long as you didn't take more than an hour and your work didn't suffer, no one really cared when you took your lunch. That was until our new manager, let's call him Dave, stepped in. Dave decided that he needed to control when everyone took their lunch breaks. He created a strict schedule, assigning each person a specific lunch hour. My assigned time was right in the middle of my most productive part of the day, which was super frustrating. I decided to follow the new lunch schedule but I also decided to take full advantage of my rights as an employee. You see, our company policy stated that any work done during our lunch break was considered overtime and needed to be compensated. So I started to accidentally schedule meetings, calls, and tasks during my lunch break, making sure to meticulously document every minute of work I did. Then at the end of the week, I would submit a detailed overtime report to Dave, showing him all the extra work I did during my lunch hour. Dave was furious, but he couldn't deny my overtime requests without violating company policy. After a few weeks of paying me extra for work that I would have gladly done during my regular hours, Dave scrapped his strict lunch break schedule and let us go back to our old system. Needless to say, you should observe the current workplace, understand what works and what doesn't, and then try to apply fixes. Not just roll in some new manager wave of changes. That's how you end up looking worse than your predecessor who probably got fired for something bad. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.